I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello there, my good, 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 good friends. Trek Cultures, Adam Cleary here for you today, and I I'm not well. Calm down, don't worry, it's not the dreaded Rona or anything like that. I'm just the kind of idiot who can get, like, a bad head cold six months into a global health crisis because, well, that's just my life, I guess. But it's fine, it's, I'll probably live, don't worry about it. Now, if you sat there thinking, hang on, I also watch the wrestling channel here on What Culture Adam, and you did this exact same introduction about two weeks ago wearing the very same clothes. Well, that's because I filmed them back to back, you dummy. But in five years, counting five years working at What Culture, I've only ever had two days on the six. So if you think I'm going to deny myself the opportunity to talk to you about my favourite ship in Star Trek, purely because I've got the snuffles then you don't know me at all. Where's your favorite ship, Adam? I hear you ask because I didn't read the title on the way into clicking the video. It's the USS Defiant, isn't it? It's the ship that changed Deep Space Nine from being like a show about a planet where everybody was kind of religious, but everybody also didn't really get on to being a show about a f***ing war. But I thought Starfleet didn't believe in warships, says Kira, I think, in Deep Space Nine that time. Well, I certainly do, and we here at What Culture have scoured the technical manuals and the behind-the-scenes stories to find a number of interesting tidbits you might not have realised about just the shark-looking, ablative armour-having torpedo doing just badass, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, whatever. My name is Adam Cleaver, and these are 10 secrets about the USS Defiant you need to know. Number 10, a giant runabout. Look at this. What the hell is that? Yeah, basically, long story short here, heading into the third season with the need for a new ship, Herman Zimmer looked at the existing designs of the Danube-class runabouts and had the brief just kind of make it a bit like them, but like gnarly and with teeth. So he drew this, and again, I ask you, the hell? According to concept artist Jim Martin, the premise was to take the actual Danube-class runabout and then just look like they were adding bits of technology to it in an effort to just beef it up and make it scarier. Like, that was genuinely the entire concept behind it. They didn't just want a redesigned runabout, they wanted a runabout with stuff stuck to it, which just as a premise is bad and wrong. And the crazy thing is, I don't even think this looks like a runabout that's just got stuff stuck to it. I think it looks like a runabout that's flown too fast into a car wash and got stuck. Anyway, ultimately, after looking at this design for, I imagine, precisely one second, the entire runabout on steroids idea was abandoned in favour of coming up with a brand new original ship, the USS Valiant. What? Number nine, the USS Valiant. 
I see now we're getting there. That's obviously not the Defiant, but it certainly looks a lot more like the Defiant than whatever the hell that runabout was supposed to be. Basically, they scrapped the idea for all that and they said, okay, we need a brand new ship. We need something that's new, but also this is Starfleet, remember? It can't look too warshipy, so it has to be small and escorty. And by escorty, of course, I don't mean that you pay it like $100 to come up to your hotel room in Vegas at three in the morning. And then you find out that's just how much it costs to get them into the room. You have to somehow magic up another $400 just to get them to do... Uh, what am I talking about? Now, as the designs were being finalized, let's say Ronald D. Moore was given the task of coming up with a name for this new ship, and he plumbed for the USS Valiant, which everybody agreed. What a lovely name for a starship. And then they put that back to the producers, and then all the money men got their hands on it, and they went, hang on. We're bringing out a show soon called Voyager, and Valiant starts with the same letter, and people are big idiots, so we're not going to be able to use that because having two ships that start with the same letter V would be too confusing. This, of course, being from a franchise where every single ship had been called Enterprise up until this point, despite them being different with different crews and in different timelines. Hey-ho! So after some soul-searching, and again, I presume about five seconds worth of thought, they went for Defiant instead, which... and... oh, I'm not good at this. Do Valiant and Defiant mean kind of the same thing? Probably. They've got the same number of letters. Also, probably. Anyways, a little Easter egg to all this. In Season 6, they did get a chance to rename a ship the Valiant as a little owed to its origins. You remember? This one. Number eight, the Defiant namesake. Thing is, they didn't just pull Defiant or Valiant out of their arse, though, because as I'm sure everybody knows, both the SS Valiant and the USS Valiant were in the original series at some point, but so too was the Defiant. Its origins go back many years. Yes, you remember the Tholian web of the original series, The Enterprise Encounters, the USS Defiant, NCC 1764. I'll have to check that. USS Defiant, original series. 1764. Oh, he's absolutely crushed. See, I'm honestly, I'm operating on about 30% a day and still. And of course, let's not forget that that USS Defiant, not the same USS Defiant, the other USS, the original USS Defiant, appeared both in Enterprise, there it is, and in Discovery as well. So, yes, it was already famous, it did already have a lineage, but being such a big part of DS9 has made it a huge part of Star Trek lore. Now, I just wish they kept the same registry number and started A, B, C, D and Eing it. I wish. Number seven, she was kind of unfinished. Ah, now here is a very, very good find. Of course, I'm sure you're aware that when they make episodes of Star Trek and any show with an effects budget, they basically do all the physical filming, then they add the digital effects afterwards, including all the shots of the actual ships. Now the problem with that is, if you haven't finalized your designs for ships or finalize your designs for things, you have to go to shooting, you kind of have to make compromises. And the original sets of the Defiant had system displays for a ship that looked quite different. But there it is, at the time they went to filming, this is what the Defiant was going to look like. Now, yes, it is pretty much the same thing, things just a little bit squatter and a little bit wider out, but that is not the Defiant we know and love. That's just what they thought it was going to be. Now, of course, yes, they did update that as soon as they were able to, but if you go all the way back to season three, there is this version in the ready room, there's that version on the ship itself. They were still all over the place with this. Number six, inconsistent design. Yep, and even when they had actually settled on a design for the ship, they still never actually settled on a design for the ship. When it debuted in the show, the Defiant had a 37-inch oi-oi physical model that was used for all of the shots of it in 
space. But then, as the series rolled on, it was expected to execute more elaborate maneuvers, things they couldn't do with a physical model, so they had to build a digital one instead. Don't get me wrong, there aren't a lot of differences between the original model of the Defiant and the digital one. They tried to do it as accurately as they could, but limitations in computers then meant they couldn't do it completely accurately. One of the major differences is, of course, the nose. It's a lot more squat the digital model, the real one's longer. There was also a digital model created for Star Trek First Contact, which is slightly different, and another one made for Voyager at some point as well. And they've all got just slight little differences, like the things are a little bit more compact, or the warp nacelles are at a slightly different angle, or the deflector dish is just fracking, it's just frac look, just, look, there was about seven or eight different models of the Defiant, and they're all fractionally different, and I just, life is too short for me to tell you all of the differences now. Just, just take that knowledge. Number five, the USS Equinox. Now, part of the design inspiration for the Defiant came both from the Marquis fighter here and the Cardassian Hideki-class cruiser here as well. But when they were combining all these things into a Starfleet ship, it did originally resemble an actual Starfleet ship. So saucer, nacelles, etc. Now, when they actually talked about the premise a little bit, that it was designed to sort of fix all the flaws in the fleet that were discovered at Wolf 359, it was like, well, these ships are not designed to fight. They are structurally designed for families and for exploration and stuff, so if we're going to make a brand new type of ship, it has to look like a brand new type of ship. So they got away with any ideas of it looking like a classic Starfleet vessel. But before they did that, one of the designs they had was the one that ended up being used for the USS Equinox. So small, compact, very tough, lots of weapons, angular, jagged, mean looking, but still Saucer section, hull, warp nacelles. And of course, not wanting to waste a good idea, where did the Equinox end up? It ended up in Star Trek Voyager for one of the best two partners in Star Trek history, in my opinion. I just, I like that design. I'm glad they didn't use it for Deep Space Nine, but I'm also very glad they didn't put it to waste either. Number four, it was a nightmare to shoot. So when designing the bridge for the Defiant, which is where I'm willing to bet 95% of all scenes on that ship were actually filmed, they wanted a smaller, tighter, compact set, something more akin to a, a submarine's bridge than the expanse of the Enterprise D or Ops in Deep Space Nine. So they made it very small. And the problem with making a film set or a TV set very small is that you need to put the cameras somewhere and cameras are very big. Apparently the whole raised navigation console and the whole thing that the captain's chair was sitting on made it impossible to freely move a camera around that set, so they had to come up with more inventive static shots. So the production crew apparently scrutinized loads and loads of World War II films to find out how you film people in these cramped, confined consoles without having the camera move around. Oh, and if you're a big fan of Red Dwarf, you will understand why I found this so hilarious, but every single time they cloaked the ship, they had to stop filming so that people could come in and manually change every single one of the bulbs on the set. That's one of my favorite moments in British TV history, that gag, and it was true. It really happened in Star Trek. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're sitting there going, hang on, wait, no, I've actually seen a shot where it goes from one lighting set to the other seamlessly. They did upgrade that as the show went on and the budgets increased, but initially, you just had to change the bulbs. Interestingly, this is more of just a side tidbit. If you ever watched that Voyager episode, Live Fast and Prosper, the bridge of the fake Delta Flyer is the bridge of the Defiant. There you go. Number three, first contact cameo. Oh, right, so I lost my tiny childhood mind when I saw The Defiant in First Contact because there was just no internet rumours back then. I had no idea it was going to be in First Contact. I went giddy at the very sight of it, but the amount of arguments that caused behind the scenes, 
Oh, you have no idea. Basically, there was people writing for the film who were also writing for Deep Space Nine, and they wanted to do some things with the Define, but the people who were just working with Deep Space Nine did not want certain things to happen. For example, it was supposed to be destroyed, which they thought would be a really impactful thing to happen in this movie, but then everyone who was working on Deep Space Nine was like, sorry, you want to you wanna borrow our ship and blow it up? Oh, no. Now, of course, while they did come to the compromise that it would just be adrift, but salvageable, this still caused quite a lot of problems behind the scenes at Deep Space Nine, so you will notice there is no reference whatsoever to the Defiant being in the Battle of Sector 001 anywhere in that show. It just... It didn't happen. Even though they filmed a bit with Cisco to explain why Warp was doing it, Cisco was supposed to have a cameo in First Contact. Even though they went through all that, they just decided... No, that's your movie, not our TV show. We can just pretend it didn't happen. Goodbye. I mean, it was pretty... That's not a good way, and that is not how you want your starship to look. And just the next time it was on Deep Space Nine, it was fine. Number two, the warhead. All right, so again, just going back to the design of this ship, we should have done the entire video just on the design of it, but that's, that's by the by. The nose section, which houses the deflected dish, that was taken almost identically from an unused design for the original marquee fighter. Now, on that ship, that was the cockpit. There was going to be people sitting in it, but obviously they didn't want to do that for the Defiant. It had its own bridge, so they just turned it into a deflector array. But according to Rick Sternbach and Michael Okuda's spectacular technical manual, on this ship that was not just a deflector array, oh no no no, that was a detachable warhead used as a last gasp weapon to ram enemy ships with its own impulse engine. Wow! Yep, that thing could detach from the primary hull and just yoink itself into an enemy vessel if all hope was lost. Now, they didn't do it on the show for obvious reasons you would imagine, but also I'm annoyed because it would have been really cool. You never got to saw it, you never got to saw it, you never got to see it, but it was possible. Bit of a shame really, like the manoeuvre was used in a book called Avatar at some point, but I don't think that's actually canon. So I just, did anybody else never quite understand why the Defiant would dock with its deflector array at the, at the station? Like, where were they, go was there a door in that? How were they getting on and off? I never got it. Number one, the Defiant's legacy. The USS Defiant featured in 68 episodes, oh, so close, of Deep Space Nine before it was destroyed and replaced with an identical ship for a further two episodes. I say identical, it was the Sao Paulo or something, wasn't it? The only difference was it had this awful, awful carpet. Now that version of the Defiant did survive the Dominion War, but it has not been seen yet in any other Star Trek series that is canon. It was left behind in what you leave behind, they see. But in what we left behind, which is of course the retrospective done by the showrunners and the writers and the cast about the legacy of Deep Space Nine, everybody got together to come up with a additional episode to wrap up everything they didn't get a chance to talk about in the final episode, including what happened to the Defiant. You, do you want to know? Are you sitting down? The year is 2395. The commanding officer is Captain Nog, and it is destroyed at the hands of Section 31. Now, not for me to say this, because, I mean, they wrote the show, it's up to them, but that does kind of feel like they just got a bag and put all the names of the characters in, and another bag with all the names of the enemies, all the names of the years, and all the fates, and just went, like... We've got Nog, and it's destroyed by... Section 31. That said, it did get its own run of pocketbooks, and you can play it in Star Trek Online as well, but 
That's it. That's it. It might make an appearance in Lower Decks. But until then, we don't know. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.